hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Uh, This Christmas season, we thought we would examine some of the Old Testament prophecies concerning the birth of Jesus. And there are many of these, and so the powers that be here at Discovery Point, we got together and said, well, let's, let's pick out three kind of prominent prophecies that we want to uh, speak about and teach on and communicate to our people. And so last week, Pastor Rod got us started off with a fantastic message out of Isaiah. And again, you can find that online if you did not get a chance to see it. He brought in a great deal of context to help us understand uh, the prophetic uh, landscape of the birth of Christ. And uh, we're continuing at this weekend and then next weekend. And so we are delighted you're joining us. I want to talk this weekend about prophetic pictures. And uh, we see one of these in the Gospel of Matthew. I I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 2 as we examine one of these prophetic pictures. Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading in verse 13. So I invite you to to take uh, your your Bible or your phone or whatever device that you have and and, and read along with me. I'm going to read from verse 13 down through verse 23. Of course, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, we we see the context that Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod and wise wise men from the east, they come to Jerusalem. So that's the context. Jesus, of course, has been born. So now the, uh, it shifts into Jesus, Joseph, and Mary, and their flight to Egypt. So in verse 13, the scripture says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and he said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and he took the child and his mother by night and they departed to Egypt and they remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I have called my son. Verse 16, kind of the sad part of the Christmas story. Uh, it's, It's a disturbing part, but it is a part of the story. It says, then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and he killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in the region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then it was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Let's go to verse 19. Now, Contextually, Jesus, Joseph, and Mary have been to Egypt. Now there's the return to Nazareth. Verse 19. When Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life, they are dead. And he rose, and he took the child and his mother, and they went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father Herod, He was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went there, and he lived in a city called Nazareth. 
So that was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled that he would be called a Nazarene. So that's kind of the the context of prophetic pictures. As I think about prophetic pictures, I, I go back a few years in my own life, and some of you are going to be able to go back with me, and, and you're going to remember one of these. Uh, this is a viewfinder, and, and I don't know if you had one of these. And I, I'm not sure the age where I'm losing some of you in the room. Most of us understand what a viewfinder is. Not everyone may understand what a viewfinder is. But you remember the viewfinder. Of course, you could, you could take a, a, a little reel or a little disc, and you could place it in the viewfinder, and, and you could just have some fun with these pictures. Vivid, 3D, 4D, 4K before 4K was even a thing. And it was really kind of cool that, that these things would, in some respect, they would, they would come to life. Uh, pictures are important to life, wouldn't you agree? I mean, if we were to look at your phone, you would have a number of pictures. And maybe if I took a look at your screensaver, you might have a picture of someone or something that's incredibly important to you. Or I could walk in your house and by the pictures on, on your wall or on your mantle or on your table, you see what is important to people and pictures communicate those things to us, do they not? Uh, pictures are amazing and it's an incredible gift and maybe you've had the honor of being asked over to someone's house to check out their uh, vacation photos. <laughs> and, uh, and maybe you've been in that thing, you know, like after the first 100, you're like, I- I'm feeling it, I'm good, I- where's the coffee? But pictures are incredible, and, and we see in the scriptures the power of prophetic pictures, right? Someone has said a picture is worth how many words? About a thousand, right? It's a great quote. And Matthew chapter 2, 15 it is referred to as a pictorial prophecy. Now, now, stay with me. It is a pictorial prophecy of Hosea 11.1. Some scholars would call it an analogical prophecy as well, but it's this painting this picture of a pictorial prophecy. Now, the theme of Hosea, Hosea is an interesting book. The theme of Hosea, the book itself, and we're going to go there in just in a moment, but a little background is God's loyal love to His people Israel. But also we see in the people of Israel that Israel was unfaithful to God. There was idolatry and adultery and any other kinds of adulteries, right? It was just run rampant within the nation. And so Hosea is going to paint this picture of Israel's unfaithfulness to God. So in Hosea chapter 1, let's start there to give you some context, and then we're going to move to verse 1 of chapter 11. But Hosea chapter 1, if you have your scripture, the Bible says this, the word of the Lord came to Hosea. By the way, Hosea is one of the minor prophets. There are 12 minor prophets. He's the first. Minor prophet does not mean they are insignificant than the other major prophets. It just means their writing is much shorter. So Hosea is a minor prophet. Uh, he's the son of Bere. In the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, the kings of Judah, which was the southern kingdom, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, which is the northern kingdom. Verse 2, pretty interesting verse. The scripture says, when the Lord first spoke through Hosea, he said to Hosea, go and take to yourself a wife of whoredom. I'm reading out of the ESV. Yours might say something different. And have children of whoredom. 
for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. He's referring to adultery, fornication, prostitution. Adultery, fornication, prostitution. And God tells Hosea to go take Gomer. Look at what he says in verse 3. So he went and he takes Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. So there's the context of Hosea, right? It's this idea that God tells the prophet Hosea, go marry Gomer. Now, Gomer represents the nation of Israel, right? She became a, an incredibly unfaithful wife to Hosea. And, and all of this is symbolic of Israel's unfaithfulness to the Lord. So there's the context of Hosea. So if we go to Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, this is where we get that pictorial prophecy that Matthew quotes in Matthew 2.15. The scripture says in Hosea 11.1, 1, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I have called my son. This is the connection between Matthew 2.15 and the Old Testament prophecy, Hosea 11.1, 1, where I believe Matthew isn't talking about a predictive prophecy, which when we use the word prophecy, we often think about this predictive element to it, and that is true. But here I think Matthew isn't talking, referring to a, a predictive prophecy, but rather a fulfillment or a pictorial prophecy. Very, very important to understand that as we work through this. So Matthew is showing that in Hosea 11.1, 1, that Jesus now is the new Israel. That's important to understand as we look back at Matthew chapter 2, verse 15. So go there with me, Matthew chapter 2, verse 15. This is the, the anchor of our text. I'm going to go back and read verses 14 and 15 just to remind us of where we are. So verse 14 of Matthew chapter 2, And he rose, speaking of Joseph, he took the child and his mother by night, and they departed to Egypt. They remained there until the death of Herod, for this was what to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I have called my son. Now, this is a robust, a robust piece of New Testament Christology. This is deep, it's meaningful. Jesus is the one who came to complete all that Israel was destined to perform. He came to complete that. So, so Israel, all of the, again, the adulteries, the idolatries, the waywardness of the nation, the rebellion of Israel was now recast in the person of Jesus Christ. So God sent his son to do himself what Israel was unable to do for themselves. So that's the context and the background. A couple things I want to pull out of the passage there's a lot here. I'm just going to extract two things. A couple things I want us to see in Matthew 2. Number one, I want you to see the enemy's plan of destruction. I want you to see, move to the edge of your seat, because this just wasn't a couple thousand years ago. This is relevant today. The enemy's plan of destruction. So in verse 13, we, we see that. I'll go to the end of verse where the, uh, the, the scripture says, For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Again, this is the sad part of the Christmas story. This is the part that we don't address very often, that here is Herod, right? Uh, he's paranoid. 
Uh, he had killed others. He had killed his own family members. And he's paranoid by power to the point he's willing to take the lives of innocent children, again, two years old and younger, in Bethlehem and the vicinity. So we see the enemy's plan of destruction. Now, this word destroy in verse 13 is the same word that Jesus uses in John 10.10, 10, right? The thief comes to steal, kill, and, say it with me, destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it to the abundance or this extraordinary life. Same exact word. As I read that, I began to connect the dots on the two passages and wondered, what did Jesus know about what happened at his birth? How disturbed was he and his family about what had gone on in Bethlehem because of Herod? He had to flee to Egypt. God called him back out of Egypt. I wonder if Jesus, when he, when he expresses these words in John 10, 10, I am wondering if he is remembering and thinking about his own life story. It goes without saying, but let me say it anyway, that the enemy is relentless. He is planning, he is plotting, and he is patient. I want to say that again. He is relentless. He is planning, he is plotting, and he is patient. He's all about the, deny, the demise of the redemptive work of God. He's all about that demise. That's what he's about. Oh, and by the way, this began Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. The first prophecy concerning this tension between the enemy and Jesus. And he's trying to do the same in our lives. Trying to do the same. He's about destruction. He's about planning. He's about plotting. He's about setting you up. In fact, right now, it's likely he is setting you up. He's patient. He's calculating. It's likely he is setting you up. It's likely he is setting us up. First Peter says that he, he's like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I want you to get the imagery of a roaring lion. Think about the imagery, and Peter, as he thinks about the work of the enemy, which, by the way, he had experienced in his own life, the best description, the best picture is a roaring lion lion. Folks, don't be deceived. The enemy's plan is destruction of God's redemptive work in our lives. That's his plan. And let me remind all of us that, that life, is, it's not a playground, it's a battleground. It's a fight, man. It's a fight. It's a spiritual war, Paul says. And he, he lulls us to sleep with apathy. He lulls us to sleep with indifference. He lulls us to sleep with prayerlessness. He lulls us to sleep when we say worship doesn't matter. He lulls us to sleep when we say God's word's not that relevant to my life. He lulls us all to sleep. You know, I don't have time to talk about it, but I'd love to talk about what the scriptures that we read said about Joseph. At least three different times, the angel comes. Oh, and by the way, as pa Pastor Rod said last week, it has been 400 years since anybody's heard from the Lord. And now an angel shows up three different times. Every time the angel showed up and God's word came to Joseph, the scripture says he moved, he acted, he obeyed. That's a powerful principle. Is that the way, I want to talk just for a bit to dads, granddads, 
uncles. The way that Joseph protected his family was obedience to God's word. Don't miss it. How did Joseph protect his newborn son and his wife? Obedience to God's word. So we see in the passage, the first thing is that the enemy's plan of destruction. Do you see it? Yeah, you see it. This one's easy to see. It's a little more subtle when it's in regard to our lives, isn't it? It's a little more subtle. The second thing I want to extract is we also see God's plan of redemption. Amen. Verse 15, here's the prophecy. The end of the prophecy is, Out of Egypt I called my son. When I read those words, I think it wasn't there a movie out of Africa? You guys remember that? Yeah. So I remember when I say out of Egypt, I'm really thinking out of Africa. But let's stay with Egypt. That's the prophetic word. So we're not sure how long Jesus was in Egypt. Some say he was there months. Some scholars think, no, no, he was just there a few weeks. Uh, we do know that Herod uh, died in, in 4 B.C. So he, he, the point of the story I want to make this weekend is not how long he was there but that God called him out of being there. Uh, God's redemptive plan is at work, and, and Egypt is incredibly symbolic in the Scriptures, incredibly symbolic. While initially Egypt is this, this place of refuge from, from famine and from threat, Egypt has this, this capacity to, to become this, this place of oppression and slavery and and often Egypt in the Bible represents a, an old life that's kind of dominated by sin. And that's what we see in this prophecy. But we know, as we observe tonight at the Lord's table here in the room, that, that God delivered His people, right? That, that you remember the, the Exodus chapter 12 where, 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 where God came to Egypt and He delivered His people. We have blood on the doorpost and, and it was the blood that saved, redeemed, and led the people out of Egypt and in to freedom. Just as God called His people out of Egypt, He's calling you and I as well. He's calling you and I out of Egypt, if you will, and He's calling us to come out and to be separate and, and to live sanctified, holy lives for His glory. That's His redemptive plan at work. So two important things that we see. One, the enemy's plan of destruction, right? Second of all, we see God's redemptive plan at work when he calls his son out of Egypt. A couple applications. Number one, God still calls people out of Egypt. He still calls people out of Egypt. God still calls people out of bondage, out of oppression, out of lostness, out of spiritual slavery. God is still active and He's alive and well. Tomorrow we will get to witness that again here at Discovery Point with a baptism. We've seen a lot of baptisms this year, and those baptisms are a reminder. They're a reminder that God is still calling people out of Egypt. We weren't created to live in Egypt. We weren't designed for Egypt. And God calls people out of Egypt only through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. It's the only way out of Egypt. And God is still calling people out of Egypt. You know, sometimes we can, we can try to get out of Egypt, but the only way to get the Egypt out of us is through the blood of Jesus. 
We can try to get out of Egypt with religion by doing good things, by, hey, this time of year it's a great time to be charitable, and let's be charitable. But the ultimate reality is you can try to get out of Egypt, but the only way to get the Egypt out of you is the blood of Jesus. Maybe you're a believer, right? Maybe you're a believer. And you got the idea, you're like, hey, man, we're going to take a weekend to get away to Egypt. And you took a little weekend get away to Egypt, spiritually speaking. And you got stuck in Egypt. And now all of a sudden, Egypt's stuck in you. It's attached itself to you. Maybe it's through anger. Maybe it's through apathy. Maybe it's through racism. Maybe it's through hatred. Maybe it's through lust. Friends, Egypt will attach itself to you. And while we like to go for a little weekend getaway, we're, we're going to be back Sunday evening. All of a sudden, you found yourself stuck in Egypt. I would say to you, if you're a believer and that's where you are, you're, you feel like, I, I'm stuck in Egypt. I, I can't get over the habit. I can't get over this issue. I, I can't get beyond where I am spiritually. If you are stuck in Egypt, if that's where you feel you are, it's time to leave and head back to the promised land. Head back to the land that God has called you to. When he called you out of Egypt, he's calling you out. Leave Egypt. Leave the lust. Leave the anger. Leave the racism. Leave the hatred. Leave the apathy. Leave it in Egypt and move back to God's promised land. God is still in called people out of Egypt. Second of all, God still invites people into his prophetic purpose. Oh, my goodness. He not only calls us out of Egypt, right? He, he calls us into something. I would call this his prophetic purpose. So we see this in Romans 8, 29. If, you, if you're just around here for a few weekends, you're like, you people love Romans 8, 28, and 29. We do. We kind of hang our hat on this, man. It's fantastic. I'm reading out of the ESV, just verse 29. Scripture says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image. It's the Greek word icon. One translator translates it portrait. Are you connecting? Portrait, image. Let's look at that again. Those he predestined to be conformed to the image, the portrait, look at this, of his son in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. Friends, Jesus is the prophetic picture of what believers are to become. I'll say that again. If you're wondering, what am I to be as a believer? What's, what's next? What's the journey look like? Oh, it looks like Jesus. He is the prophetic, let me say this, he is the prophetic picture of what believers are to become. In him we find God's redemptive purpose, amen? I mean, in him we find this, this prophetic picture coming to fruition. If you're wondering, what is my life supposed to look like, supposed to be like, look at the person of Jesus. 1 John 3, 2 says this. This is out of the NLT. Dear friends, he's a little softer than Paul, isn't he? He's like, okay, dear friends, we already know that we are God's children, but, but he's not shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. Here it is. But we do know 
that we will be, what? We'll be like him. For we will see him as he really is. Prophetic pictures. Prophetic pictures. Jesus is the prophetic pictures, a picture of what God is calling us into. So as believers, right, if you're a believer in the room, you're watching this on, on video online, we have the responsibility to walk in and walk toward God's redemptive prophetic purpose in our lives. It's our responsibility, personal responsibility, to develop into the character of Jesus Christ. Everything that God has declared over us, everything comes true through the power of the Holy Spirit as we faithfully obey God's word, the Spirit works in us to form us further and further into the image of Jesus Christ. That's exciting. Like, that's, that's what I'm to become? Yes, that's what we are to become. Now, when I begin thinking about uh, this message, I thought, what, 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 would, it, what would it look like? What, 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 would it look, what, what could we use to say, okay, this is, this is a good illustration to illustrate this? So, of course, I went back to the viewfinder and uh, thought about the viewfinder. And, and by the way, how many of you in the room uh, have had, you had one and, okay, perfect. Yeah, they're, they're kind of cool. And back in the day, we're like, this is amazing stuff, right? And it still is pretty incredible. And so, but as I was doing my research, I found something pretty exciting. That there now are two types of viewfinders, at least two types. There may be more, but my extensive research <clears throat> led me, and I came across only two. One is kind of the old school viewfinder, right? This one here, you, you click it, and the real, see how, that's the Amazon brand. Nobody goes anywhere. Oh, now we're cooking with fuel. It's the old school brand. You get it. Old school. I don't know how old I was when I remember having a, a viewfinder, but, but folks, don't, don't be sad. There's new school viewfinder. There's new school. Progressive. Evolution of the viewfinder. It's deep. The evolution of the viewfinder is now that you can take a, a viewfinder, not an old school, but a new school viewfinder, and now you can create and upload and receive your own custom viewfinder reel. Now, how exciting is that? No longer. No, no, no. No longer are you held captive. No longer. Are you held captive by the predetermined reel that comes with the viewfinder? No, no, no. It's a new day. It's a new day. There's a future with viewfinder. You can actually take some of your photos of your vacation, of your, your, your wedding, or of your children, and, and you can do something that I don't know how to do. I've not looked into it enough yet, but my understanding is you can do a few things. They're going to send you back a customized, created reel finder that now you kind of call your own shots on the reel finder. How good can God possibly be? Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. It's pretty cool, actually. It's one of those ideas you think, oh, why didn't I come up with that? It's a cool thing. 
I think it's spiritually dangerous. Because God has already predetermined the real He wants us to examine. His name is Jesus. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says this, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him, He endured that cross, He's scorning its shame, and now He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Uh, consider Him who, who encountered angry men so that you will not grow weary. It, it is kind of a neat idea to think, oh, I can create my own reel. Yes, you can. Spiritually, it's a bad idea because what happens is spiritually we begin to create our own reels. Yeah, we, we begin to customize our spirituality. A little bit of this, some of that, much of which is apart from, from God's Word. And, 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 and as we begin to create our own spiritual custom reel, apart from God's Word, apart from the, the foundation of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as we begin to, to create that, the result is we find ourselves stuck in Egypt. And we don't know why. It's because we're not examining, following, embracing, paying attention to the old school predetermined real that God has already said before us. His word, His Son, Jesus Christ. Here's the reality. We're either living in Egypt or we're on our way to the promised land. That's the He's calling us out of Egypt. I'll end it with this. Jesus invites us to come as we are, as we are, that we might become as He is. Let me pray for you. Father, we pray for our time. Lord, I pray that for those of us in this room that we will just be keenly aware of the enemy's work the enemy's plotting, planning, patience, literally to set us up for something that has the capacity to ruin our lives. Father, keep us diligent. Let the words of Peter echo in our spirit that the enemy is like a roaring lion. He's trying to devour. So, Lord, I pray, first of all, we're, we're vigilant. We're on the watch. We're helping each other keep watch. We're not alone. Father, we pray for God's redemptive plan. I love it that God still calls us out of Egypt. And Lord, maybe that's where some of us feel we are. We were just going there for the weekend. We were just passing through, and all of a sudden we, we stopped and we stayed. And, and now we begin to sense that Egypt spiritually has attached itself to us in many ways. Father, set us free. The same formula that you used for your people, Israel, thousands of years ago, the same formula of blood is what sets us free. So, Father, we thank you for the blood of Christ. We thank you for that shed blood that we celebrated tonight at the table in remembrance of freedom that we find only in Jesus. I want to end our time. As you're sitting in that seat, I really want you to just... Lay hold of this thought, if you will. I want to pray for you. Is that Jesus Christ is the prophetic picture of what we are to become. Please lay hold of that. 
Oh, and it's a journey. It's not easy. We'll never quite get there. It's called sanctification. And I challenge you as a follower of Jesus to take the responsibility of your own spiritual journey and embrace that thought, that, that Romans 8, 29 truth that we are to be conformed into the likeness of Christ. Father, I pray for every believer in the sound of my voice. Please let us see the, the impact, the seriousness of this, that the prophetic picture of what our life is to become is clearly seen in the viewfinder of the one known as Jesus Christ. Be blessed, honored, and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.